Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to the Believe in Jaguar show. I'm Justin Dunk, joined by Ken McCusick from FilmStudyBaltimore.com. Follow Ken on X or Twitter or whatever we're calling it these days, at FilmStudyRavens. Ken, thanks so much for coming on the show. Happy to be here, Justin. Thanks for having me. The Jaguars make their first Sunday night football appearance, if you can believe this, Ken, since 2008 as the Ravens come to Jacksonville in Week 15. Baltimore leads the AFC Conference with a 10-3 record. What puts the Ravens among the elite so far in the NFL this season? A remarkable shift in how the Ravens have played defense is really the, the headliner here. Uh, they've The Ravens, I'll give you a little bit of background. The Ravens in their first 20 years never allowed as much as 4.0 yards per carry in a single season, which is, is truly remarkable. But they had a run-first uh, mentality, stopped the run-first defensively. Uh, they had an ability to stop it with nickel personnel uh, by having outstanding players at outside linebacker on the interior of the defensive line and, of course, at linebacker where, uh, where people know the Ravens for, for Ray Lewis and, and now. With the, the 2023 defense has really reversed the script with Mike McDonald and said, we're going to give up some yards on the ground and we're going to basically start with a too high shell on most plays and rotate coverages to confuse opposing quarterbacks. And they've been extraordinarily effective, historically effective, really, in terms of stopping the pass. And they've given up about 4.5 yards per carry when you take out the kneels. So uh, it, it certainly they've given up some some yards on the ground. It is a choice, but they have been extraordinarily effective versus the pass and uh, are on pace for the for the best Ravens season of all time in terms of yards per pass against them. That's unbelievable when you talk about the shift and how they've changed. Everybody's going to want to focus on Lamar Jackson. How would you rate him so far in 2023? He's having a pretty good year. Um, Lamar, you never capture his full greatness with uh, his own statistics. And even in his MVP season, that was true because Lamar makes everybody else on the field better by the threat he presents. So other running backs are more effective. Um, the threat of him stepping up in the pocket, which I don't think he's really used to the degree he could, uh, can freeze or even draw in spies such that uh, space is created between level two and three in the passing game. Um, they had a great play action game. They would run out of pistol in his MVP season. They've gotten away from that. They run now at a sidecar, which makes Lamar very dangerous on runs up the middle. So what happens when you run out of sidecar, the, the running back is to either side of the quarterback mesh point is in front of the quarterback. And usually that makes the, the running back an outside threat on the run. And it makes Lamar actually an inside threat. So Lamar has been very effective at uh, getting, um, Inside linebackers, particularly, but that's true of any really any position on the field in terms of defensive ends or whatnot, out of position on such plays, making the right read off that and either pulling the ball or letting it go and uh, and getting the better run opportunity of it. So really, Lamar's impact, some people say all 22 players, but definitely all 11. The Ravens have led a lot of games, so defensively they have an easier time pinning their ears back. They lead the NFL in sacks right now, and uh, and that's been another thing that's been uh, you know easier for them to do. It's easier to play defense with the lead. Football is back and bet online is your number one information source for all your sports wagering info with all the up to the minute stats, news, scores, and matchup breakdowns. Get the latest game odds, spreads, and totals from the NFL and college football at your fingertips with bet online's real time updates on statistics, news, and odds from week one, all the way to the college football playoff and super bowl. Bet online gives you access to the best football promotions and contests available anywhere 
online. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to get in on the action. Remember to use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online is where the game starts. You mentioned Jackson and his ability to affect the game offensively for Baltimore and also with opposing defenses. He's on pace for a single-season career best in passing yards. How has he improved as a passer? I, I, you know, I'm not really sure that he has. I mean, there's things about his game that are that are better than they used to be. I think he throws a pretty nice deep ball. Uh, he's he's been pretty good about staying in the pocket and and using the intermediate passing game. Uh, doesn't have probably quite as many extended plays this year as he's had in the past when he's just roamed free around the field and and done that. There's been some of that, but but really not as not as much. Um, the Ravens, I mean, when they, when they want him to pass or when they need him to pass, he'll pass. Um, most of the time, Jackson really doesn't rack up incredible personal statistics because the Ravens run the ball a ton and that's a function of having the lead. So, you know, it's a lot of people say, why do you, you know, why should we, people want to see Lamar Jackson have a 4,000 yard season, for example, it's a meaningless mark for a player like Lamar. I mean, if you win, if you're leading games, you play at a slower pace, you, uh, you you know you you don't uh, pass the ball as often, and that's led to some statistics that people are unimpressed with. But in truth, the wins and losses are the really impressive Jackson statistic. Jackson leads the Ravens in rushing with 644 yards, five touchdowns, 5.2 yards per carry. Has he changed as a runner in terms of being smarter and getting down and taking less hits, or what have you seen from him this season? He's always been pretty good about taking hits as a runner uh, in his MVP season because they used him as an outside threat. Um, it, they ran out of pistol. The running back was going straight forward and he would typically run to the sideline. He got out of bounds on a lot of plays without a hit. Um, that rarely happens anymore. Uh, only only once in a while does he get out of bounds without a hit. Most of the time he's he's actually a middle threat with the sidecar, as I mentioned er- earlier. And that makes him very dangerous to to pick up lots of yards, but it but it also exposes him to a few extra hits. The the hits that he's good at taking a sack, he's good at taking um, uh, tackles because he knows how to go down. And most sacks are really him deciding that he wants to run and not getting quite back to the line of scrimmage. Usually a very good gamble, but doesn't always work out. And the th- the hits that he takes are very dangerous. Are quarterback hits in the pocket? So when he gets knocked down in the act of passing. That's much more dangerous injury-wise. He's, he's certainly taken some of those uh, this year. Is there a feature back per se in this offense, or what does the Jaguars have to do in terms of trying to slow down this run game? Is it Jackson first and then the running backs? They have they have two running backs, actually three, who share it by committee. They have um, ju- we'll start with Justice Hill, who got a fair number of snaps this this last week. In fact, he led the running backs. He's more of a passing down back, uh, who's a who's a reasonably good pass blocker. Um, they have Gus Edwards, who's a power back, and when you want to close out a game, Gus Edwards is your guy, along with Patrick Ricard, in terms of uh, being able to use point of attack football and and uh, use go to some heavier sets that that. Uh, uh, get that first contact in level two for the running back where Gus can really exploit it. And then their their speed back and the remarkable in-season find has been the UDFA Keaton Mitchell. Uh, he's actually the son of um, uh, Anthony Mitchell, who had one of the biggest plays in Ravens history, which is a, a blocked field goal return that beat the Titans in the 2000 playoffs. Um, but he's uh, he's here now and uh, 437 speed out of East Carolina. Uh, remarkable athlete. He's been catching the ball and he's been running it and he's averaging 
something like eight yards a carry right now. I don't have the exact number in front of me, but one of the remarkable things is even at 5'8", he's breaking a ton of tackles. So very good contact balance. And um, he's the guy everybody thinks should be really getting the touches to, to take the Ravens on a deep playoff run this year. Jags need to slow down that run game to have a chance on Sunday night football. On the other side, the Ravens defense has allowed the second lowest amount of yards and points per game in the NFL so far this season. Why is Baltimore's defense so stingy? Well, they've, they've been very good about making the choice to defend against the pass instead of the run, as I, I kind of was, was was talking about earlier. But uh, they've, they've been very similar in terms of yards per rush and yards per pass play allowed, which is ridiculously good. Nobody is good um, doing that. To give you an idea, that the 2000 Ravens allowed 2.7 yards per rush and set the all-time record for the fewest rush yards allowed in a season. But they also allowed 5.1 per pass. Well, the Ravens this year are seven-tenths of a yard better per pass, um, which is just making them extremely difficult to, to move the football on. Uh, other teams you know, have to go on long, slow, methodical drives. They have occasionally been able to do it. Um, but they also, the Ravens, have a good bend-but-not-break ability to get much tougher against the run when they want to or need to. Uh, in the red zones, they've been effective there as well. So, been a combination of factors. They've they've got talent all over the roster on the on the defensive side of the ball. They have good linemen. Um, Justin Matabike is having a huge year. They have good outside linebackers. A really good three man rotation with Jadavian Clowney having a career year. Um, uh, Van Noy having a Kyle Van Noy having a, a, a terrific year as a a free agent and a Dafe Owe. off ball linebackers. They have a great combination in oh, in uh, Smith and Queen, and then. In the secondary, Kyle Hamilton is the big um, uh, revelation this year. A guy who's taken a huge lump, jump forward to uh, I, what I think will probably be an all-pro season. They've got him actually playing nickel cornerback, which is an incredible mismatch in terms of the typical characteristics you think of that play that slot corner role. But he is the most effective horizontal defender in the entire NFL right now, meaning he owns that line of scrimmage from left to right. There doesn't seem to be anybody who can block him. He can rush the passer. He can go in and, and take down runners in the backfield. And if you try and throw a wide receiver screen to his side, which is almost all wide receiver screens, being his, he's the slot corner, um, he, nobody can seem to block him on the outside. So it's been very effective uh, in, in terms of that. Roquan Smith, the leader on this Ravens defense in terms of tackles, ranks third in the NFL. Kind of a head-to-head matchup with him and Foyer Luakun, who's just ahead of him in that NFL tackle king race we'll call it what makes smith so good for this ravens d yeah by the way a little kind of just an outstanding player absolutely love him in terms of his his uh, ability and style uh smith is a uh tremendous leader uh and the ravens kind of had a vacuum in terms of leadership when he got here and he stepped on the field and some people they just walk into the room and you look to them to, to tell you what to do and and he's one of those guys and the, the ravens have really done very well with it in watching the tape and and him coming, uh, you know when he came over, uh, he looks like a different player. You know, his his play in Chicago was very up and down in terms of what he did. He certainly had his splash plays, but he also had uh, lots of plays where he, where he you know made bad choices on defense and and had some other bad plays. Got blocked, couldn't get off it, that sort of thing. Uh, within the Baltimore structure, he's just taken his play to a whole nother level. He um, he's he'll be an All Pro easily this year, I would say. Um, and he it, probably the most sure one on the Ravens, uh, along with Hamilton. And uh, he's really made Patrick Queen a better player. Patrick Queen had a lot of problems both in tackling and in coverage. And I think playing next to Roquan has helped Patrick be a better 
uh, run and chase weak side linebacker, which has been something that that uh, has benefited the Ravens a lot this year, and and it'll benefit Queen a lot this uh, this winter when he gets paid. You mentioned earlier the fact that the Ravens lead the NFL in terms of sacks, and that's going to be a scary stat for Jaguars fans to think about because. Their offensive line has been inconsistent at best, also been injury-plagued. Cam Robinson, their left tackle, is on IR. Walker Little, who filled in for Robinson to start the season when he was serving his four-game suspension, and then after Robinson got hurt, he got injured in the Monday Night Football game against the Bengals, missed the game against the Cleveland Browns. Ezra Cleveland, who they traded for from Minnesota, was a guard who kicked out to tackle to make his first NFL start and, oh, by the way, do it against Miles Garrett. He was actually okay, but he got injured in that game in the second quarter wow. in the loss at Cleveland. So they're dealing with some injuries and shuffling up front on the offensive line. When you look at that front for the Ravens and you consider this injury-plagued O-line that Jacksonville has, do you think that's a real advantage for Baltimore in this game? It is, but it'll be mitigated some by the fact that Lawrence gets rid of the ball very, very quickly. So what I, what I expect to happen, because this is what's happened with a lot of Ravens opponents this year, is the Jaguars will shift to a, to scheming the ball out quickly on a high percentage of plays. So when I divide up pass plays against the defense or for, for Jackson on the offense for, for the Ravens in general, um, I, I, I split them into three categories. One is ample time and space when the quarterback has at least three seconds and the ability to step into his throws. Those are the best quarterback opportunities of all, and you want to get as many of them as you can. The second one is ball out quick, and that's the the ball is out before pressure can develop, but uh, it might not have held up for three full seconds. And then the third category is all other pressure events where the quarterback is in some way impeded from either stepping into a throw or there are players close to him or, or, or do that. What typically happens is as the pressure rate rises, the ball out quick rate also rises to offset that. And unless you have a situation where um, the quarterback really is deer in the headlights, they're typically, and, and Lawrence, a very good quarterback, obviously, um, is able to get the ball out quickly and try and make plays in that way. Now, you, you, you end up playing small ball, and against the Ravens, that usually doesn't work. But I, that's what I would expect the Jaguars to do. I don't think they'll throw the ball deep very often in this whole game, uh, meaning over 15 yards. I think most everything they'll throw will be uh, near the line of scrimmage, some of it behind. And they pretty much, I think, are, are in a position where they'd have to do that with the offensive line woes they have. Exactly. And when Lawrence is throwing the ball, he's going to have to watch out for Geo Stone, who has six interceptions for the Ravens on the season. How has he been able to get his hands on the football so consistently? So the Ravens have basically play zone defense a very high percentage of the time. So what that means is, as I call it, everybody is watching the same movie. And it allows back-end half-field safeties like Stone the opportunity to read the quarterback and move to the football. It also allows the Ravens lots of opportunities for second man to the ball when tackling, and you can force some fumbles that way. They haven't been great at that, but they've done it a few times. Um, but anyway, the, 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 the everybody everybody watching the same movie basically has been very intimidating to opposing quarterbacks in terms of throwing deep at all. So they've done only a little bit of it, um, but you really have to know where the Ravens' safeties are. And the, the Bengals famously earlier in the season had a play completely schemed up to take Stone off his spot so that they could get a, a receiver, T. Higgins, um, open at the end line. And Stone, just because it was zone defense, he just read the quarterback the whole way, and he actually misread what the receiver had done to try and deceive him. Uh, 
So it's like a bad poker player can't even pick up on the bluff you're trying to build, you know, <laughs> to, to be able to do this. So I, I think the, the Ravens are, are very confident in their reads defensively. And I think that's been very intimidating to opposing quarterbacks in terms of throwing deep. When you look at this game overall, obviously the meaning that it could have in the standings, but more importantly, I think for the Jaguars, especially being a prime time game, the Jags are not used to playing under the national spotlight. Yes, they've had a couple of them already this season, Thursday night football, a win on the road in New Orleans and the much hyped Monday night football game at home that they lost to Jake Browning, making his second career start for the Bengals. Is there a real advantage here for the Ravens because they're used to playing in these kinds of focus games? The Ravens do have a great record playing in primetime at home. They're about 500 on the road, which, you know, if you can play 500 on the road, I guess that's good, particularly on the Monday night matchups, which are typically going to be better teams. Uh, but that said, I went down to a 2011 clunker that they lost, I think, 12 to 7 to the Jags. And uh, and that was fairly upsetting to uh, uh, to, to live through. Uh, I, I, you know, the Ravens are, are always composed. They're always ready to play on Monday Night Football. I think some of this game is about skill, too. And Lawrence is a hell of a quarterback. The last couple of times that the Ravens and Jags have played, he's really been able to burn the Ravens and um, expose them at the end of games. So, I, you know, I, I wouldn't take this game lightly. I think the, the Jags, uh, you know, should be only a slight dog in the game, which I think uh, I, I think I've seen they're about a two and a half point dog um, in this game right now. I think that's about right. Um, that match what I would think in terms of, of, of percentage chance of the Ravens winning. Yeah. You mentioned the line there kind of around three and a half, two and a half. I mean, depending where you look at total 43 and a half in your opinion, Ken, and you know, this Baltimore team really well, we won't call you a homer. If you pick the Ravens who wins and why on Sunday night football. All right. I really hate this question when people ask me. I'll just say that on your pod, even though I know I'm leaving that. The, the, what I would like to rather tell you is one side of the one player who works up, who matches up well on each side of the ball for the player, if you can live with that. I like but, it. OK. But anyway, the, the I'd say the player who matches up right now well uh, on the defensive side is probably Jadavian Clowney. Uh, when he's gone against uh, tackles, he's been able to get quick pressure against tackles who are not completely sure of what they're doing. Uh, he might be on the rush side. He might be on the right side. Uh, I assume the Jaguars have a right-handed offense, right? Tight end, usually on the right side? Usually, yep. Okay. So so Clowney probably goes against the tight end on a fair number of plays. I would say he's he has a good chance to get some pressure. Uh, Matt Avike would be a cleanup guy for that. But Clowney is the guy who will initiate some of the pressure. He'd be the guy on the defense I would pick. Uh, not even sure Kyle Hamilton's going to play, by the way, so that, that is an issue. On the offensive side, um, I'll take Keaton Mitchell to, to make a play or two in this game, uh, and I think he he matches up well with the speed he has to, to break free. The Ravens have been good about getting him level two first contact opportunities, and he's been pretty good about breaking tackles there. You can follow Ken on Twitter at Film Study Ravens, and also check out his site, Film Study Baltimore. Com. For people who have never visited that site, Ken, what can they expect to find there? Oh, it's a it's a lot of uh, normal kind of football contact. I, I tend to have a STEM audience. They're they're really into the analytics and whatnot, and I am too. And uh, you know, I'm an ex-actuary. I'm I'm very much into the math of football. And if you like that kind of thing, then you probably like the site. Well, thanks for jumping on with us, with us Ken. We really appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Justin. 
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.